Hello and welcome to another episode of The Coder Career with me, Cameron Blackford. Today's guest is Lee Tabenus. Lee is a technical recruiter working on behalf of a number of companies at the moment and has come on today to give some expert advice uh, in kind of a special episode actually on how you can land your first couple of jobs in tech. Uh, we've also included some resources for you to use as well. Those are available in the description. Um, but we have a number of great tips and guides throughout the podcast. Now, if you just want to skip straight to our guides, then you can skip to around 20 minutes in. But I do recommend that you listen to the full podcast just to get a bit of background first. And then you can take away our tips from there. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you've got any questions for either myself or Lee, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find our contact details in the description. Today's episode of The Coder Career is brought to you by the Zero to Mastery Academy. Figuring out the right technologies, tools, and practices to learn is a challenge in of itself. Zero to Mastery has a ton of resources to help you actually work out what you need to learn. And then after that, teach you those valuable skills. Their courses are consistently updated to ensure that they have the most up-to-date practices technologies and toolings. I particularly recommend their original Zero to Mastery course and their Junior to Senior web development course, which teaches you all kinds of concepts around JavaScript and will have you developing scalable full stack web applications. You can find a link to Zero to Mastery in the description and membership is as low as 23 US dollars a month. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi Lee, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, good thanks. Cam yourself? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, not bad. Um, yeah, all, uh, all all good. Uh, the uh, the days are getting shorter, but the code never changes, so it's uh, it's it's all good. So, um, for the listeners who aren't very familiar with yourself or your background, do you want to give a quick run rundown about who you are and what you do? Yeah, certainly. So, um, I've been in tech recruitment for five years. Covered a vast majority of uh, specialisms within that. Um, yeah, and. and Basically, it's mainly been UK and Europe that I, I've recruited in, um, to be honest. So hopefully, I'll be able to provide some good insight <laughs> to the topics that we're covering today. Yeah, the majority of our listener base um, comes from Europe. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, definitely some very relevant advice. And tech is universal, and that's that's what we love about it. So um, you will certainly, if you're trying to get a job in, in tech, uh, gleam some good uh, in, insight from this interview. I have no doubts about that. Um, cool. So the, the way I like to get things started... Um, because it also creates a bit of controversy early on, is uh, some quick-fire questions, um, some uh, sort of hot-take answers are strongly encouraged. Um, yeah. So the, the first question is, what was your first computer? I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but I did actually have a Commodore 64. I oh, don't know that, if anybody... That's a good machine. That's yeah. a classic. I don't know if many of your listeners will remember what that is, but um, you know, a few of my favourites were Bubble Bobble, uh, Bold Dash, Tetris, those kind of games. And do you know what? I then got my next console after that was um, the Mega Drive. And going mm. from a floppy disk to a cartridge was quite weird. Um, but I then played Bubble Bobble on that game as well. On that console, sorry. And, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it's a pretty crazy computational jump uh, in the 90s in, in gaming um, yeah. to the 3D era. It's outrageous. You're actually the second guest to have said uh, Commodore 64 was the first machine. Um, <laughs> the previous guest, Sam, who I worked with when I was a recruiter, actually, yeah. uh, he um, he was saying uh, he had the Neighbours, uh, like the Australian um, soap, he had the Neighbours uh, video game on Commodore 64, and he was saying that was his sort of formative years uh, playing that. But they, they don't make machines like that anymore. Like, it doesn't have the same charm. Um, but, yeah, no. those are so cool. No, I, I, I kind of miss the old uh, the old consoles, to be honest. Just like, um, again, I don't know if you, you ever recall this, but the, uh, the the Mega Drive, you could literally just turn it on and you could get one of two games, like Alex the Kid. I don't know if you remember that game either. That was a favourite. Yeah, I was very, I was quite little when the Mega Drive was big, but I do remember playing it. Usually, it was the the classic. You go around your, your mate's house, and your old, um, his yeah. older brother uh, had one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was more, I was more like PlayStation Two kind of era. Oh, um, wow. But um, yeah, the uh, I, I do remember being sort of like go, in primary school, getting home, and just desperately trying to fight. Um, me and my mates trying to uh, the ones of us with older siblings trying to get a uh, trying to get trying to get a console. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of good memories of that. <laughs> Luckily, I'm, I'm the oldest, so I didn't have to worry. 
Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a um, I had a friend who was, uh, had a brother that was like 10 years older. So we had all the like GTA and that kind of stuff when we were nice. six, which in hindsight, I think our mums would have. Uh, well, in fact, my mum did find out and was not happy. I, I can't yeah. blame her. Uh, but <laughs> Mate, that top down view was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. They, it just doesn't have the same charm these days. I, I, nah. I think there was a certain charm to it back in the back in the day. I mean, maybe we're talking with nost- uh, nostalgic glasses on, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. Agreed. Um, <laughs> and obviously, you're from um, you're from the great nation of uh, Wales, Cardiff specifically, right? Correct. Um, yeah. And so, what what's your favourite tech city in the world? Would you say it's Cardiff or, or elsewhere? <laughs> well, do, do you know what? Um, I am being biased, and Cardiff is, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But one of my other favourites is Belfast. Um, mm. I love that city. I love the people there as well, mainly because of the accent. That's <laughs> one of the reasons. But they, they, it's a good little city to go to. Um, it's a really nice place to be, and obviously they're they're quite big in the um, the SaaS. Uh, fintech and, and medtech space as well mm. so it's, yeah it's just an all around nice place to be and nice people mm. basically but yeah Cardiff is definitely my favourite tech city although I have been to quite a few yeah Belfast flies under the radar it's quite an interesting one like uh, people don't realise how much of a tech scene there actually is over there yeah. uh, it's, think... it's rapidly growing as well uh, same as as Cardiff and maybe that's why I like it because it's like an, both Cardiff and Belfast are underdogs I suppose if you will yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah th- those are my those are my favourite yeah, I, de- I definitely see where you're coming from, especially being up here in Edinburgh. Like, it's maybe slightly more established a tech scene here, but even so, we're still, you know, uh, there's a bit of a um, complex going on with London sometimes that we want to be, uh, we we don't just want to be like second best to London. We want to, you know, we want to make our own mark. And we've had some cool companies out, come out of here. But I think the effects of COVID and the promotion of remote work in the UK um is quite exciting in terms of regional tech hubs because yeah. it doesn't have to just be a London-centric... The UK doesn't have to be so London-centric in, in tech anymore, and it's exciting to think about. Yeah, indeed. And I suppose one thing that's working well for Cardiff is the Welsh Gov. They're obviously pumping money into supporting these companies coming mm. to uh, coming to the uh, to Wales, so that obviously helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, the more local governments can do that and also as well, obviously, encourage STEM programmes for kids uh, if you if you take that two pronged approach, that's the uh, yeah. that's the way because there's win, no win. denying tech is the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. And um, I know I put on the notes uh, for for this one. What what music do you listen to when coding? Um, I can also include recruiting generally. I think that's a mistake from my side. But um, yeah. what type of music do you like to listen to when you're when you're going about your business? Well, do you know what? I I, I listen to anything and everything. But I suppose literally what I was listening to. Uh, just before we jumped on this, actually, I was finishing up a few things with Billy Joel. Um, oh, now, nice. again, I don't know if many of your listeners will know who that is, but I went for some old school music uh, uh, this evening, basically, or this afternoon. Yeah, that's a that's a good choice. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes he, sometimes the oldies uh, best to work to work. To, yeah, um, yeah. Guess you uh, guess you going. You know, you, you sing along, and yeah, <laughs> sometimes it deviates you away from your work, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see myself coding while singing along to Piano Man, to be honest, but I don't know. You never know until you tried it, right? Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. It may work. Yeah. What about for time of day? Because this is something where I'm curious about your answer because I've noticed a definite split here between the recruiters and the coders that have come on the podcast. Coders are night owls and recruiters are early birds. Um, Would you say you're with the recruiters or are you more of a coder there? Well, it's funny you say that. Like, I had a, I had a little boy last year, um, and prior to that, I was an early bird. And then a couple of weeks ago, I also got a puppy. So now I don't even know what I am anymore because I get up all sorts of times. I don't even know what a full night's sleep is at the moment, to be honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, prior to those changes, I was an early bird. Yeah, it's. Um, I think sometimes life responsibilities enforce a somewhat erratic schedule. Um, yeah. Especially with uh, puppies, because uh, yeah, they um, yeah, for they they love to sleep throughout the day, but they're chaos at night a lot of the time. I found. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, 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 to be fair, we've he's a, he's a good dog, but yeah. because obviously he's still a puppy, he's like 10, 11 weeks old. He, I still need to get up middle of the night to take him out yeah. for a toilet so he doesn't damage the house basically 
yeah my, my parents got one last uh, got a puppy last year and it's uh it's funny how much you forget you have to uh, they rely on you at the start um, <laughs> yeah so you get older they're much more autonomous but uh yeah, yeah um i mean it's 100 worth it they're great but yeah <laughs> yeah i've always grown up with dogs so i'm glad you've got it but it's, it's hard work yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to get a, a dog eventually. But um, yeah, right now in, in our flat, I think, particularly because I like quite boisterous dogs. I grew up with Border Collies. So I think having nice. a collie in the in the flat would be a complete disaster. And that, possibly, that would definitely be chaos. Would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> Uh, what what about um obviously prior to um prior to becoming a recruiter in fact prior to even leaving school uh what did you want to be when you were a kid um it's just funny you asked that I was, I was, it, was, it took me a while to th- think about this and i was speaking to my mum um and actually probably not what you would expect i wanted to join the armed forces okay. um yeah which is obviously something that you uh, well not that i've ever heard of when you've heard other people speak about that type of stuff um, I can give you a little bit of a sob story. I actually tried to join as well, but a week before I went to actually the training, um, my mum was taking me into town. I was going to a charity boxing night and uh, some car ended up just smashing into us. Oh. Yeah, ended up getting cut out of the car, basically, and damaging my back, so I couldn't do any of the training, and then I fell into sales. <laughs> mm. what, what type of sales did you end up doing? So, so I ended up in... Um, uh, first of all, financial sales like uh, mortgages and like savings accounts, that kind of stuff, and then transitioned more into insurance, more of like consulting, consulting, um, and then got bored of that and moved into <laughs> thought I'd try recruitment, and here I am. It, it's a it's an interesting one where um, I lo- when I was a technical recruiter as well, the running joke was like no one no one grows up wanting to be a technical recruiter, you just <laughs> everyone suddenly ends up becoming one somehow. And yeah. um, so for you, is it more, because uh, a lot of people don't realize the difference actually between, uh, I think it would be a good idea actually to explain the difference between an agency and an internal recruiter. I think you're, you're kind of in between though, aren't you? Because you're also consulting on behalf of companies as well, right? Yeah, so, so at Identify Solutions, um, we're actually moving away completely now from contingency recruitment, which um, just because we feel it doesn't give much value to clients and candidates um, alike. But yeah, at the moment here we we do now what we call a talent partner solution, where we are on site with a client yeah. and dedicate ourselves to them to help them grow. So it's a bit of best of both worlds, really. Yeah, I think being from the outside, I I, I kind of got out of recruiting basically just as that tide was turning, and uh, having seen it happen, I think um, I think I, I can see why it's such a good solution. Uh, see why people do it. I, I, I reckon it's the future of, if you need partner-supported recruitment, it does seem like the future of it, uh, from yeah. what I can tell from the outside. Yeah, 100%. It, it's just so much more value for everybody, basically. So it, it makes sense to to do that kind of solution, regardless of who you choose. But obviously, choose Identify. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found a difference between working uh, on-site and like almost, not internally, but like directly for a single client versus when you were doing contingency um, recruitment? It, it, you're a lot more organized. You have a lot more detail and not so much control over a process, but you you know the process, you're part of that process and it's very cohesive then with that business and they know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly what they're doing. It's just a smooth mm. process in, in general, basically. Um and in turn, you save a lot of time because you're not getting, from a client point of view anyway, CVs left, right and centre, don't know what you, who you've gone <laughs> back to and, and, and all of that, basically. It's just nice. It it's must be better for, on their side as well not to have to manage like 10 different contingency partners. Much easier just have one, one in-house solution. Um, and if you are looking for an in-house solution, all of the links... Um, to contact Lee will of course be in the description as well because we do have we do have startup founders listening and uh, nice. recruiting is a painful thing to do uh, and don't we all know it so definitely get some external support if you can especially since COVID is people like I mean as you probably know the market is massively in favor of tech people especially in the software development space um, 
and it's now 100% a candidate market. It absolutely is. And um, although it was always kind of leaning towards that way, I've never seen it like this ever. Yeah. Just the way it's, uh, and we're talking about the great resignation at the moment where people are leaving. And a lot of people are, are, are seeing this and thinking, right, now's a, now's a good time to train and, uh, as an engineer. And I, I agree with that. But what that also means is there's, uh, that um, candidate market isn't going to be so much in favor of juniors. So you will still have competition as a junior. What would yeah. you say for someone, uh, as someone that looks at CVs, uh, for junior software engineers who maybe don't have any commercial experience, what's the best way that they can they can stand out um, at a glance? Because so you're, you're reviewing a lot of CVs um, in one go. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know about it these days, but when I posted a junior software developer job, I would get 70, 80 responses. Yeah, it, it, it's still just as as competitive um, as ever, and 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 you know people don't have the time to sift through that many. Uh, it's just physically impossible, um, and I, I suppose you know for, for CV wise, it depends on who you speak to. It, it is very subjective. Um, but, but for me and, and what I've found that it's worked, and this is feedback from graduates and juniors alike, is having um, like a set structure. And obviously, just as a note here, if anybody wants to reach out to, for me to look at their CV, I'm happy to do that and, and, and revamp it if, if necessary or give them some pointers to go away and think about. Um, and also never pay for your CV to be revamped or your profile. It's a waste of money. Any good recruiter will do it for free to help you out. Um, so there's a couple of points I want to make. First of all, your LinkedIn profile should always reflect what your CV says, which is a, which is a, a good way to go about it because you've always then got a digital copy for one. Um, and also the one thing that I see time and time again is engineers whether they have commercial experience or not, tend to speak about what the business has done and their skill set and actually not what they've done and how they've contributed. So that's a major thing. And if as a junior, working on personal projects, you haven't done this and others have, which they do, you're automatically discounted because it's hard to see what experience you have. And one thing that always stands out is always like start kind of your profile with a USP and this comes into your personal profile why you differ from the hundreds of others applying for for, for the same job basically I was going to say definitely looking looking at it uh, with a you have to look at it almost a bit brutally when you're looking at your own CV and thinking like what's my USP like unique selling point where um, you think okay Everyone likes to think they're really, really special and everyone is yeah. in their own way, but also as well, you need to convince the hiring manager of that at the first glance. And it's like, how can I make my CV completely stand out from the stack? And what what can I do specifically? And if you don't have commercial experience, what kind of projects can I build? And a lot of the time, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd be curious to see what you thought of this. Um, if my strategy and what I give to uh, juniors as, as advice is, uh, find a problem that you face in your everyday life uh, and build a solution to it. Like, for example, one that got me a lot of success was uh, I built a secure passcode generator. So nice. you would put in certain like parameters, be like, it must include numbers, must include uh, dictionary words, must include letters, must include special symbols. And then every 60 seconds, it would generate a new passcode. Uh, okay. So I did something like that because I thought I'm really useless at generating passcodes and password managers cost money. Yeah. Uh, so I made this. So, I mean, it needs to be something relatively unique. So, I, I mean, I don't know how much has changed, but I feel like everyone applies with a random quote generator, uh, a uh, weather checker, and the same four projects, you know, for, for a junior. Yeah, you, you know, you also find uh, the clock uh, as an example, <laughs> or uh, what's the other ones? I, I made a note. I was, trying, I was rattling my um, brain on this, actually. Um the clock is a big one. And the, the thing is, actually, speaking from a JavaScript point of view, really, you can actually do that in like four lines of code. Like, it's, you know, I, I never want to say someone's work isn't impressive, but like it's um, if something's easily copyable from 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 somewhere online, it's um, it's yeah, it, it's generally not the best. Yeah, you've got to stand out. Yeah, I, I mean, the other one is somebody uh, people build like small or basic games. That, that's another one which I tend to see 
quite a lot. But but you're right. I mean, I recently placed um, a few months ago an actual um, person that was still in university. He was, he was graduating in June. Um, while while he was doing his um, computer science degree, uh, he, he has a big love for the music. Uh, he plays the guitar. Uh, and one of the services that he used, he found a gap actually in terms of the web app that they were using wasn't really fit for purpose. So he went away, built that web app and gave it to them for free. In doing so, they then hired him as a contractor while he'd done his um, university degree. And then I've placed him into a full-time software engineering job, just like that, because of that work he's done. So you're right, it's, it, it might be actually a problem that you're facing every every day and you go away and make a, uh, a solution to that or if there's something that you're passionate about and you see a gap in the market of something that you can maybe build do it because you're already passionate about it. it's going to be something that you're interested in they'll give you that extra motivation to do it and that'll 100 help you stand out from from the crowd basically yeah you can carve out a niche for yourself easily as well and like you say i mean that's a fantastic example of what that graduate did that's uh, i mean that just goes to show for inspiration to get to let nothing get in your way you know if, yeah. you, if you genuinely think a business isn't doing something that well then pitch, pitch it to them because they'll probably appreciate it like especially if it's open source like yeah. um the beauty of open source is you can basically just make a copy of whatever software edit it to improve it submit a pull request and then if it if it's light then you know you can contribute and uh, you can actually, I mean, this is getting into a bit of a technical chat here, but you can also make contributions to the open source world, which stand out in your CV by not even coding. You can just help out um, by uh, even just translating um, documentation. If you speak another language, like I, I contributed um, some very small documentation stuff to a react library that I've been using a lot. Um, that's open source and it, it really helped me out and I did that within the first few weeks of me looking for my first code job and it, it's definitely something I because you get a badge on your github when you contribute to like this public project um, and it, you get some recognition it's like you get some clout behind your name as well um, for contributing to open source and people appreciate that so it's definitely that's something worth doing as well and um, I think people talk themselves out of it a lot um, I mean, people do that in general in life, but for some reason, I know software engineers do it a lot uh, in particular. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And I, I like this. There's, there's some other things that you can do to, um, you, you know, for your profile to stand out. I mean, or, or even just a few tips, really, is sometimes, and this may not be applicable to the juniors and grads, but this will come in useful as they progress for their career, is I see a lot of engineers cramming all of their information onto one page, two page. And it's something that we've learned from school. I was taught through, I don't know if it's still taught in school now, because obviously I'm, not, I'm quite old. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, three three to five pages is kind of the, the sweet spot, really. Mm. Um, sorry, go on. I, I was just going to say, yeah, people yeah. do get very worked up about fitting it all onto one page in particular. Um, one caveat I would say is 20% of the listeners are from the States. Um, do try and keep it on one page if you're in the States because it's like a, just a, a cultural thing they do. Um, but yeah, here, here in the UK, like, yeah, don't don't be worried about it stretching on a bit. Um, and you can even have an abridged version of your CV, whereas you keep it to two pages and then you can have a longer version as well and you can send both out. Um, so one's at a glance and one's longer. Yeah, and, and that's, that, that comes on to my next point, actually. I was going to say, actually, have a master CV where you keep absolutely everything on it. Um, because then when you go to apply for jobs, which will help then, again, stand out, you tailor it, you copy and paste what you need onto a document and submit that. Um, and that and that helps a lot because you can take the relevant bits and, and make it suitable for, for that specific job, which is nice. Um, the, the, just a couple of tips as well, which I, I've seen is... Keep things like ref. I see a lot of juniors putting references on there. Uh, their age, uh, whether they're male, female, non-binary, whatever it may be, religion. Keep all of that off. You just, if this is a professional document, and you don't want to leave yourself op- open to positive or negative discrimination, basically. Mm. And it makes it harder as well because on, on the recruiter side, you have to disable it all and anonymize it. So you're saving the recruiter some time as well if you don't include anything. I think I think the issue is sometimes, um, I think in certain countries, you have to disclose certain things. Like I remember dealing with, um, for some reason, I had a lot of candidates. It was a very specific niche 
And it was somewhere in Asia um, where a lot of my candidates had come from. And I think they legally had to put like their smoking status and their height and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, the, the discrimination laws were nowhere near what we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, they, uh, and apologies, this is obviously aimed more at, at, at the Europe because that's mm. where uh, my speciality is. But um, there's even some places in Europe will st- which will still require that. And if they do, then fine, put it on. But, you know, if you're... St- if you've got all of that on your master CV, just put in on your ta- um, tailored CV only the the information you actually need to. The tailored CV is such a fantastic point because all it takes is a few, um, uh, just a few tailored changes, change between ten and thirty words, and it can make all the difference um, between between job. And make sure you write a cover letter as well if it's your first. If it, if it would be your first job in tech, write a cover letter, explain how much you love the company, talk about the tech they uh, they use and why why it excites you so much. Otherwise, you, you won't stand out because there's nothing worse than, um, it's so obvious. I mean, I can say this to the next group, I'm sure you can say the same thing. It's obvious when someone just hits spray and pray uh, because <laughs> yeah. with a lot of these job sites, like they all have easy apply buttons. Like you need to at least invest a little bit in, in your uh, in your application for it to get the same respect back from the recruiter in, in, in my opinion yeah no no I, I totally agree and any tailored version of a cv that you submit to a job is going to stand out to the other 70 to 100 people that have likely applied to the same role that you have um and an interesting one to this is if if you don't know how to tailor your cv to that specific job have a look at the, the job description in itself that you're applying to and use some of the, the key words and, and phrases that they're using from that. Because if you've actually done it or have experience in that, you just use it for, for your CV to send it to them. That, that's the easiest yeah. way to do it. Um, and another all- tip for it, sorry, go on. I was going to say as well. This is um, this is such a boring point. Um, yeah. But we're going to play the uh, play the ATS game, which, by the way, for listeners, stands for Applicant Tracking System. It's just like internally what recruiters use to look after their CVs and, and applications. Um, if you at the bottom of your CV, uh, if you basically just put a like. I do this on my LinkedIn as well, uh, like a, just an exhaustive list of all technologies and tools you've worked with. Um, as long as you do want to work with them again, uh, because sometimes people don't want to work with PHP again. Um, and then they, um, and then it will basically catch all of those so the recruiter can easily see it at a glance. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good thing. And, and in addition to that, the, the way or what I normally suggest to candidates is obviously have that kind of technical summary at the top of your CV but also reflect those technologies in your actual, if you've got commercial jobs in that, if, you've, if you're mentioning personal projects, mention a tech in because the more you repeat a piece of technology, the more from the, um, the higher you'll end up in a search basically from any ATS search. Oh, that's interesting. So in theory, if I just wrote Cameron Blackwood CV react 1800 times um, below, if uh, if I apply for a React job, my CV would come out top. That's right. So if yeah, so in theory, so let's say a recruiter is doing a headhunting piece. Mm. Everybody does that now because nobody really is on job boards uh, that, that obviously have experience. Yeah. Um, and they're searching for a React developer, and they put in React. If you've got that eighteen hundred times in your CV, you're going to be the first one in the search. That is a really interesting point. I, I didn't realize that. So definitely people like, don't be afraid to repeat yourself a little bit uh, if we're talking technologies. And the other thing as well is to also filter out automated messages. You can put an emoji at the front of your name. Uh, I've done that on and off a few times. It's always interesting uh, to see uh, yeah. to see what comes out. Like when you messaged me on LinkedIn um, a while ago to ask about the podcast, I was like, oh, the emoji's not there. So he's tailored it to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But there, there, there are definitely a few hacks for for application tracking systems and, and you know, or CRMs, customer relationship management tool, if anybody wants to know what that, is, that actually is, um, is keep your job title to the, to the standard norms as well. So there's obviously a varying uh, titles now of what a software developer could be, as an example. And if it's obscure, that's fine. Still put it in your CV, but in brackets, have software developer because that's typically what people search on and whatever the main technology that you're using so if you're a java developer or a react make sure that that's included in your title as well um because that will again help when people are searching 
for that type of skill set. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because um, people do sometimes, and companies do get a bit funky with the uh, with the job titles. And uh, it's it, don't be afraid. It's not like a legal um, issue if you if you change it to a more generic title. Like I think my job title at Purple Bricks is just software engineer, so nice and easy. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know, other places uh, I know where people have been officially called a software craftsman. Which is a nice compliment, but it's not yeah. so great for showing up in a in a CV search. So yeah. change it to software engineer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't want to be found by people and you want to be left alone, by all <laughs> means, put that in there and take all technologies out of your CV. But you know, if you if you want to be noticed, yeah, definitely stick with more generic and and have that repetitiveness in in technologies. But you, the other thing is, you don't want to overdo it and basically have your CV as a word salad. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a balance to be struck there for sure because, yeah, DevOps engineer um, for DevOps engineering jobs in particular, um, it's funny you can really as a uh, as an engineer now I can really gauge the demand for certain things because I don't I know a little bit about DevOps but like I'm no I wouldn't even be able to be a, I'm a mid level like software engineer I wouldn't even be able to be a junior DevOps engineer and um, I probably get more messages about DevOps jobs than anything yeah. else because uh, I just have a couple of keywords but um, yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a point actually not entirely related to what we're saying if you if you want to learn anything learn DevOps <laughs> yeah 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 um, but the thing is as well that you can be a software developer and also be in that yeah. DevOps space depending on what companies you go to yeah definitely the other important things I'd say for any ATS is they can be fragile at the best of times. So keep your CVs plain. I know it's always nice to have, unless you're um, a graphic designer, UI, UX type person, as an example. If you're a software developer, if you're a DevOps engineer, you want to be using a Word document, you want to be using... Um, nice easy to read text like calibri aerial times new roman that that kind of um thing because it will help the ats system process your details a lot easier um and also thus putting you up in that pecking order really when it comes to to searching for people with your skill set basically the, uh, the whole talk about font, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie American Psycho, but you know the scene where they're all comparing business cards uh, when we're talking about the font? Have you seen that film? I, I, I've, I have, but not for... Oh, uh, right, because there's a scene where Patrick Bateman's sort of comparing his business card with everyone else, uh, and they're all talking about their fonts and everything. I was thinking, we well, must sound a bit like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But honestly, it's, it's, it's minor details like that yeah. that will give you a massive edge over anybody else. Yeah, it, it, I know it really does. And a um, um, uh, hundred small things are going to make a huge mm. difference um, and just make you stand out. And once you get that first job in tech, like you never really need to work that hard for a job again. Uh, as long as you're putting the work into your nine to five and yeah. ma making sure that you're making a good impact because recruiters will reach out to you. And that, that's a nice lean into my next question is you're someone that's been in the recruitment um, world for a while. How can someone know um, if they're working with a good recruiter? And I, I originally meant this externally, but I, I guess it kind of goes for both as well, but mo mostly yeah. externally. Yeah. So there will be obviously some points that I cover which are more directed towards people like me. Um, and, and the first and the most major one um, is off the back, if they're contacting you about the job, they're open to their work and we from the off. If they don't, then that also automatically makes me sceptical about what they're actually going to do with the information that you share. So if nobody's open with who they're working with, don't share your CV. Simple as that. You can have a chat, have an informal chat and discuss it over the phone, but unless you know where your CV's going, don't share, don't share it. And definitely not references either. And yeah. there is no company in the world that I've ever heard of that requires references for a first round interview, ever. Yeah, no. They're, they're, it's just a, a ploy so they can basically do some more business development and try yeah. to get more yeah i mean um, I, I did it i was i was told to do it by my old managers when i was an agency and i didn't like doing it but it was an effective tool <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah it certainly was um but now in the day and age that we're in i mean references is all in good people can there's scraper tools out there and all things like that so they can get email addresses of contacts and stuff but just to save yourself don't put them in there um 
The other thing is, I think for me, is people are clear about the process. So what they need from you as an individual and what you, what you should expect from them as a recruiter, whether they're internal or, or external. Um, they should always know about the business, the team structure, the roadmap, the tech that you're going to be involved in, the role itself, the requirements, um, and also qualified you against that properly. I'm then able to tell you whether or not you're suitable. And if you're not, why? That's a big one. Because the, especially for, for, the, for these uh, newbies into the commercial world in software development, if they don't know why they're not suitable, they can't improve. And that's another thing is when you don't get feedback of why you weren't successful through an interview process, regardless of how far you've gone, how can you improve and how can you then get that next job? It, it, it's a it's an interesting one because people often ask me about the external side of things, uh, external recruiters in particular. Um, and I think it's either, you either want to avoid working with an external recruiter like the play, or you want to become their complete buddy and partner up with them throughout your career. Uh, and there are, for me personally, like I know a few people that like I know, I mean, obviously I'm open to working uh, to partnering up with other people in the future. But like I, I know two or three people that uh, uh, I, I really trust. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's I mean, it's a long term game for external creatures to build up that kind of trust. But um, if you know you're going to trust people to look after you, then it's a, it's a great way of doing it. If someone's going to work with you as a junior and give you good feedback, then you know they're the kind of person that you want to uh, keep in your contact book and. Um, it's a, it's a, I was going to say, this is very petty of me, um, but I, I lost a job, um, my first dev job, eight weeks into uh, my dev career. And uh, I've kept a blacklist of all the recruiters who ignored me after I messaged them on LinkedIn and didn't even respond, um, yeah. asking for their help. And I've um, at least 20% of them messaged me since asking if I want a job and just ignored the fact that they ignored my message asking for their help before. So uh, it's yeah. very petty, but, uh... <laughs> but, but... But rightly so. And, yeah. and that's the funny thing is if, if you're getting emails off them um, and you don't want to work with them, just ignore it completely because they don't get their in-mail credits, yeah. back, which by the way, costs a lot of money. Mm. Obviously, uh, yeah. On the flip side as well, though, if it's a well-tailored message and um clearly they've read your profile do them a solid and just say um send them a message back and say thanks but no thanks because yeah one they'll really appreciate it and it will save them some money and two like they um they'll definitely get back in touch in the future with a good uh, yeah when, when you're looking so definitely do that yeah 100 and, 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 and rightly what you said for me i've got a a whatsapp uh, account like just full of people that I know and you know I speak to on a regular basis like some I even know when they when their kids birthday is and things like that you yeah know? <laughs> um, but that's the type of relationships you you probably want with somebody that's going to look after you and help you grow in your career and that's and that's another thing is once you've got gotten into a job they're probably going to be there to help you get that promotion and promotion and promotion and then you know five ten years down the line you might be going to them and saying well look you've sorted me out i need some people now can you can you do the same basically because it works so well from a from a mutual point of view like you're helping each yeah. other's careers it really is a partnership and that's exactly when the recruitment model works so well and um you know you always hope that that, that the recruiters that do best are the people that uh, build relationships like that and over the long term they will be there's no doubt about it and uh, definitely as a candidate uh, don't be disillusioned because the recruiters you may keep a list of good and bad recruiters the recruiters keep a list of good and bad candidates as well so make sure you're on their good side <laughs> yeah yeah they certainly do um, and, uh, they, 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 there are jokes in the office to be made about that as well yeah. <laughs> And like, oh, I guess who's got back in touch type of thing. <laughs> yeah, always treat people with respect, especially if they've if they've given you respect um, up front, uh, then always treat recruiters with respect because yeah. uh, you will often need their help. And uh, and uh, also as well, it's it's typical luck that the recruiter that maybe you uh, uh, had an argument with when they were external has gone internal at your dream company. Uh, so never burn bridges. I mean, generally in life, you should never burn bridges, uh, but uh, particularly in the recruitment world, as a developer you should never burn bridges no no and I suppose one one other thing I, I think to note especially for these junior guys and, and graduates is you'll know a good recruiter because if they can't help you in terms of finding you a job themselves they'll definitely point you in the right direction 
um, and, and give you information and advice on how you can get that job. Um, I, I mean, if people want to have a look at my um, LinkedIn, I don't have very many, but there's one recommendation from a, from a chap called uh, Lovekush. Uh, and I did exactly that with him. I said, right, I can't help you, but this is what you can do to help. And luckily, lovely, lovely guy left me a recommendation because I've done that. And that's, that's what you want from somebody is saying, look, I can't help you here, but this is what you, what, what you need to do, basically. Yeah. And because chances are that person's more likely to come back to you in 18 months. And that is exactly as you say, that's a perfect sign of a good recruiter. It's someone that will, even if they know they don't have a job for you, they'll take that call. And yeah. even if their manager is giving them a bit of a push saying like, this isn't the most relevant candidate, they will still listen to you and have a, and have a good chat and give you some advice. And yeah, it's a perfect example. Um, and uh, inter- internal recruiters as well that give you detailed feedback, a perfect example of a good recruiter. And yeah. in, in terms of when, um, when someone's searching for a job, uh, the advice I like to give people as a developer is keep like a project management board. It's such a lame corporate answer, but keep like a Trello board of, um, of your jobs or an Excel spreadsheet, depending on how you like to do it and track them that way. Is there anything else you would suggest to like keep a job search super efficient? Yeah, so 100% that. Um, because again, in the junior graduate space, um, not that you're going to be sending CVs everywhere and anywhere, but you want to know where you've submitted and, and where you're at in that process. Because the the one thing that will hinder you um, is if you're duplicating any applications. Um, yeah, definitely. It, yeah, um, and and this is why I've said earlier: don't get give your CV to somebody that's not telling you where your CV's going because they might send it to a job you've already applied for, and, and it, it could ruin things basically um but in terms of making the job search efficient is what i tend to find and what i've found most recently actually uh cam is people tend to just go to total jobs cv library indeed read and, and that's it all and linkedin and linkedin obviously um, and they leave it at that. But there are IT-specific job boards out there. CW Jobs, Job Service, an example. That's where you should be looking. The others, fine, just put your CV on there and, and hope for the best type of thing. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, don't say it too loudly, but we're 40 minutes into the podcast, so only the loyal listeners are here. The Code of Career might be launching a job board. I haven't said anything, but yeah, uh, yeah keep, keep your eyes, ears to the ground uh, in uh, maybe January or so. I'm not nice. saying anything, but it might be happening. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, is startup specific job boards as well. So they should be looking at these because there's a whole host of them. Yeah. Um, Angel.co is a great one for that. I really, and that's also good as well. If you, for some reason, if you've got this far in and you're not in tech, um, and you're you're not like a technical person, um, even if you're not a technical person, Angel.co has still got really good startup jobs, and it's got a ton of information on the company as well, which is great for the application process. One hundred percent. Working startups is another one, uh, which is a, which is a good place. But most of these job boards as well have CV libraries. So a massive tip is. Upload your CV every night, uh, sorry, every Sunday night, post 10, post 10 p.m. or before 7 a.m. on a Monday morning because you'll always be at the top of the pile regardless. And every week, if you haven't got a job, just go in and make minor tweaks to your CV in the same time slots so you're back at the top of the pile. So you're always there. Yeah, I, I tell you what, you talk, when we were chatting about um, preparing the podcast last week, when you told me that, that absolutely blew my mind. I can't yeah. I can't believe I'd never thought of that. And even I'm not suggesting that you mess with like a job board's like um, servers or anything. Um, <laughs> and I'm not endorsing anything. But if you could perhaps automate the process of going in, you could even add that to your CV and save yourself some bother on a Sunday night um, of going in because it's not it's not that hard to um, to, uh, to to read and write data um, if you have your login details. Obviously, don't don't put your login details on GitHub and open source it or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Put it in an environment variable. Uh, I'm not responsible for any any lost passwords here. But yeah. yeah, you could have a bit of fun with that as well, for sure. Yeah, but as you mentioned earlier, you know, contribute to GitHub. Um, oh, sorry, open source projects via GitHub. Have a, a profile for yourself where you're building and solving these everyday solutions that, that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, you mentioned writing a cover letter and sending that in. Actually connect with the people if you know who the hiring manager is. Um, and then when they accept, send them a message directly to say, look, I'm not, nothing intrusive, nothing detailed, just a quick couple of lines saying, look, I've applied and these are re- the reason why I'm interested. 
Um, and there's also loads of like groups, meetups, uh, Discord channels, Slack channels specifically for your tech stacks. Join them because there are recruiters in there anyway, but also people, other software developers will post in, especially the Slack and Discord, and be like, hey, we've, we've got a job here, anybody interested? There's obviously good places to be that not yeah. many people go to, basically. Slack, Discord, Reddit, um, and the meetups as well, like, uh, you know, IRL, as we'd call them in the dev community, um, IRL stuff. Uh, Helen, one of the most recent guests on here, who is actually my colleague at Purple Bricks, um, she uh, she went to the Brum.js at a uh, Birmingham JavaScript meetup and um, got chatting with uh, Tom, who is our uh, head of engineering at Purple Bricks. And uh, that was how the ball got rolling and she ended up getting, getting a job with us. So it's, it's one of it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like um, it's a bit intimidating to go to a meetup sometimes, uh, but, you know, um, everyone's so nice and like you never know what's going to come out of just having uh, sharing a slice of pizza with someone and having a beer um, while chatting about JavaScript. It's it's a great way to go. And just something I wanted to flag from earlier as well. You mentioned the GitHub um, side of things. Uh, so most people do use GitHub, but some developers I know use GitLab and um, uh, what's the other one? Bitbucket. Um, definitely try and at least have a presence on GitHub because yeah. usually recruiters only know about GitHub because it's, or, or at least it's the only one they check for because it is the most major one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But look, if you do have Bitbucket, if you do have GitLab, just make sure that they're referenced on your CV. So definitely. People yeah. can do that. And, and um, Stack Overflow is a good place to, to go as well. Uh, but if, you, if you're going to do any work, if you're going to publish any work, I'd say GitHub is, is the place to post it just yeah. because, of, as you said, it's the most known. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Cause, uh, and also as well, um, you can see it at a glance quite easily with the, the tiling system of yeah. how often people um, commit to that. And you can, uh, I would also, again, this is very into technical advice slightly, um, commit and contribute little and often. Um, to make sure that uh, that um, those tiles stay nice and green, um, yeah. because that's what you want, really. Yeah, and 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 in addition to, to that, contributing, it's a great place for these guys to learn as well. So not only is it going to help you with your job search, it's going to help you with your ability to become a better engineer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I, we we kind of talked about working with recruiters um, a lot already, but in a in kind of. To summarize, why would you say uh, it's a good idea for um, for a developer to go to go with a recruiter rather than going uh, totally direct to stuff? Uh, the main thing which we all tend to lack nowadays is time. Um, so that that's that's a big one. If 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 like you, you've got a, a couple of recruiters that you know you can trust, and you can't be bothered scouring the job boards and, and looking on LinkedIn, just leave it to them. You know they're going to do a good job and come back to you. The other thing I suppose with, with any good recruiter is some have exclusive clients where sometimes that those clients don't even advertise their jobs, especially for the um, graduate and, uh, and juniors. Some even have um, agreements in place where they have graduate and junior, junior academies where they hire uh, every so often throughout the year to, to kind of build a talent pool. They don't, if you find those recruiters, you, you you're going to be in good hands, basically, because you'll always have kind of good opportunities coming your way. Um, and also, the, the final thing and is all rec- any good recruiter will have a good network. So if you're happy for them too, obviously, it's always anonymized. They, they'll go out and, and speak, uh, send a bit of marketing out just to try and generate something for you as well. So that, that, those they've got a few tricks up their sleeve which you won't have basically as as an engineer yeah and as long as you verified they're good and we've already talked about how you can do that then you know working with a good recruiter like puts rocket fuel into your job search and if you know you want something new uh then they, they know all the tricks um and recruiters uh certainly when i when i was uh, when i was a recruiter i loved being able to talk to all the different hiring managers and um you know any excuse to go out for a client lunch I was a big yeah. one for that. So, you know, yeah. they like, we like to get around. So <laughs> Yeah, that is true. I mean, maybe not yeah. so much now that we're, we're in a bit of a lockdown, yeah, but true. <laughs> it, it is still good because, yeah. you know, it's good to try and get more jobs on, as you know. That, that's actually a point as well. Uh, if you're working with a recruiter who's local to you, uh, and then they place you, this is such a minor point, but you'll often get a fancy free dinner or lunch out, which is always nice, uh, as well as a little bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. 
Yeah. It's always nice to go out. Any excuse for a pint, really, for exactly. a recovery, isn't it? Why, why ever not? Any excuse, yeah. <laughs> glad nice glad something's never changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it ever will, to be honest. <laughs> no, it can't. It's in, it's in the blood. Um, yeah. Cool. So um, I guess that, that was kind of my main questions. Um, I wanted to as well give you an opportunity to sort of shout out, um, well, anything you're working on, but also as well, like jobs that maybe you're hiring for right now that uh, junior or senior that, that are particularly uh, interesting. Yeah, so, um, and you can see it from my um, uh, from my LinkedIn. So one, one of my clients that I work with exclusively and on-site using this model is Heroic Labs, looking for a client engineer. So if there's any kind of mid-level Unity Unreal developers, C++, C Sharp, be keen to speak to them and basically any python engineer or front-end react engineer hint hint uh i'm keen to speak <laughs> to you because i've got a i've got about 10 vacant roles that uh that, that i'm looking for with the same client actually um as they're looking basically to build a new scrum team or a new team for, for 2022 just so they can finish what they've been trying to build yeah. I can give you obviously a lot more detail than that. That's obviously very vague, but it's Python, <laughs> React, AWS, all, all of the fun stuff, mm-hmm. basically. I'll pop a link to all the uh, to to um, to whichever jobs in the description as well, and obviously as well, Lee's contact details uh, will be in there. Is uh, LinkedIn usually the best way to get in touch or, or email? Yeah, j- just drop me a, a connection request and then send me a message, um, and then more than happy to have a chat, basically. Perfect. Obviously, my, my name and obviously the company is. It would be quite long for anybody to. Remember, bro, I'll send it to you anyway so you can add it. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure it's uh, it's all in there. And uh, yeah, LinkedIn as well. And uh, I feel like, I can't believe we actually didn't say this. If you don't have a LinkedIn, create a LinkedIn. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's 2021. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of those things that people love to hate, especially if you're a, an engineer. But yeah. from a networking point of view, um, it's gold. Yeah. Don't 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 get yourself out of a job by not having a LinkedIn. That is a, that's yeah. a clown. That's a clown move. That right there. <laughs> and final one. Speaking of LinkedIn, if you are doing stuff like building projects and stuff, talk about them on LinkedIn and make 100%. sure you're ref- referencing them um, because you will generate momentum and people will then eventually reach out to you as well. Yeah, for so sure. Just build that personal brand. You know chat about tech chat about what's uh, what enthuses you you don't have to like do all these uh, long embellished stories about um morals about candidates that were late for interviews but you hired them anywhere it's you know uh, yeah, yeah um but just talk about like talk about like let's say you've been working with typescript recently instead of javascript and explain why you love typescript like just little things like that and just engage some content because your fellow developers will love it recruiters will love it and uh, hiring managers will love it so just just do it yeah 100 percent agree Cool. Right. I think that um, that sort of draws us to uh, to a close then, Lee. But it does. I, um, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a really insightful chat. And I feel like uh, whoever's uh, listening to this will have had their job search supercharged. Uh, so, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure people will have got a lot of value out of this one. Hopefully. And I'm happy to help if anybody wants to reach out, of course. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm sure plenty of people will take you up. And as I said before, um, all the links are in the description. Uh, Thank you as well to all the listeners for uh, tuning in each and every Monday. Uh, I hope you have a great week. This has been The Coda Career, and uh, we will see you next time.